Welcome to Mac Gamecast episode 18, a gaming related podcast, sometimes Mac, sometimes adjacent stuff. Uh, always fun. With me today is Ted. How you doing, Ted? Well, doing good. Okay, today. Casper. How are uh, you? Hey, sir? I'm doing doing pretty good. Having Sorry. some nice time to relax finally. Nice. I kind of failed your intro there. Sorry. And Lily. How are you? Hello. Hooray! She's back. Good. Yes, I make my scheduled monthly appearance before disappearing again. <laughs> just to just to pump yeah. up our our listener numbers. Oh yeah, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, it works out great. <laughs> <laughs> so today, oh, and of course, I'm John as always. And today we're going to do a little bit of a part two of our last uh, episode seventeen: our games art or something more, or can games be art? Um, we'll, we'll hear, um, Lily and Ted weigh in their comments on that. Uh, we're going to talk about our, uh, like strategies to tackle gaming backlogs, uh, and whether they're effective or not. And then we have some couple sprinklings of tech and gaming related news, uh, probably Casper and I will cover. So why don't we dive into the immediate continuation of the, uh, games as art idea. So for listeners haven't caught the previous podcast you can hear sam casper and mine thoughts on that um we had similar conclusions but we each had some i think interesting viewpoints that maybe the others didn't um so ted or lily did one of you want to go first on this idea do you, do you have a burning desire to to consider <laughs> games as art you can also <laughs> decline to answer if you'd rather just like move on <laughs> but it'd be more fun to hear i'll talk whenever you're ready Okay, yeah, Ted, what do you think, like, in your experience? Well, I, I personally feel that it, it is an art form. Um, I've said this probably before to a lot of other people, that that a really good game is like experiencing a novel, except that you have the ability to participate in some aspect of it. And some of the games, yeah, they're really kind of a canned, you can only do certain things, but a lot of the more... Uh, well-developed games, uh, you can actually make a variety of different choices. And, you know, a couple couple episodes ago, we were talking about uh, Metro Exodus and mm -hmm. how there's different endings depending on your choices in the game. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of like you can experience it in different ways or even a real good, um, uh, like an RPG or, or something, you can play different characters and experience the story from the aspect of a different... Um, uh, way of playing you know one could be just a you know a warrior where you slam things one could be a magic user but it's it's you're participating in the book you're participating in the story and if it's done well you really get drawn into it and you really look forward to what's going to happen next just like on a, a good book or a good movie or a tv show whatever mm. um I really, I really feel strongly about that i would much rather play a good game than watch a decent TV show. <laughs> I mean, I find it a lot more interesting to participate. And um, so, I mean, I really feel it is an art form. Some of the games are just, you know, little arcade games. It's just a pastime, you know, slam the bricks back and forth and whatnot. And I don't, that is just like, you know, little fun thing pastime. But the well-developed story-based games are really, I, I really feel that strongly. So, that's nice. my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I I believe it was Casper who posed the interesting sort of angle that 
maybe not the game itself, but game design. Or was it Sam who was posing that like, kind of game design could be an art form? Was it Sam? Yeah, that was Sam. Okay, sorry. Sam initiated yeah. that. Right, Sam initiated that. What do, you, what do you think about that idea? Like, sort of, maybe not the game itself, but maybe some mechanism or game loop or something within that game could that be would you consider like game design and development like is that all related do you find that separate i I think it's it's very much related you you know you can't you can't make a a a game that draws you into the story without having some amount of creative development involved i mean it would just be a boring story okay run out there and you know smack some monsters and come back with you know but you put a storyline behind it you know now you're out you're looking for some uh trinket from some wizard that's going to save the world or whatever and it's not an easy task and you have to research and look for clues and whatnot as well as smacking some monsters around (laughs) or whatever i mean it's it's yeah and so the development part of it really needs to be creative and then the artwork on it i mean sometimes it's unbelievable when you go into a, you know, my, I've had a lot of stories over the years of, you know, having wandered into some sort of uh, game environment, like back in the old days, an Unreal Tournament, and seeing scenery that, um, you know, was actually taken from the real world and put into the game. And, uh, you know, you look and you go, oh, wow, bam, oh, they got me. <laughs> I, I, was, I was always notorious for, you know, looking at the scenery and getting shy. <laughs> nice. Guess, you know, but I, I, mean, I always found this so fascinating to look. I figured they did a lot of work. And if they put a little corner over here to look at, you know, somebody actually spent the time to develop that image. And it was worth looking at in my eyes, you know, even if I was going to get shot doing it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to Unreal Tournament 99. Actually, had some really, really good level design. Um, oh, there was some beautiful ones in there. Yeah, yeah. Really, really strong. Edged out. This competition at the time was Quake 3. Quake 3 visually looked a bit better, but the level design of UT and the game modes, in my opinion, were superior. Obviously, some people may disagree, but um, yeah, really, really nice. Um, and some also, really and also, stuff. yeah. Also into the sound, I was just thinking uh, the other part of it is the sound and the um, the tension that's created. I mean, mm. one of the uh, fun, one of the funny stories, old old story, uh, years ago, I was playing some sort of an RPG. I can't even remember what the name of the game was. And you know, so you're walking down this corridor, and all of a sudden, the skeleton jumped out at me, and I actually jumped back when I was playing the game because it really worked. It really startled me to have this thing pop out all of a sudden, you know, in this dark, gloomy cavern that I was walking through, you know. But nice. that type of stuff, and that's all creative. That's people putting the scene together, just like in a movie or in a good book where they figure out how to create that tension and draw you into it. So you're following something and then something else pops out at you. So yeah, very creative. I really feel that strongly. I like that you brought that up. I don't think we really covered audio or music that much in the last part, in the part part one, essentially, of this conversation. Um, maybe we I don't I don't recall it being any major part of the discussion, but I think the sound design is because when it's really good, you kind of don't notice it in a sense because it is so good. Although maybe like the music's really cool and you want, oh, I want to go like download that or listen to it on YouTube or Spotify or something. Um, 
like a game, I don't know, a game that kind of bombed or not kind of did bomb and die. Anthem, for example, actually had a really cool soundtrack. It's like really, really good. And it was also uh, made by a woman. I forget her name. Um, but it was like, okay, this game may not have done so well and eventually kind of died off. But it had this really, really strong soundtrack that a lot of people went, wow, like, this is cool. This is memorable. I want to listen to it. Um, right. So even if an overall, maybe the entire experience doesn't, like, stand the test of either time or critics or users or whatever, but parts of it say, like, the soundtrack um, um, may stand out. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I agree. I actually still have the uh, theme song for Marathon in one of my playlists. Oh, nice. Nice. I like it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but that, I mean, it was, um, yeah, some the music and then the sound effects, too. I mean, you know, going back to the days of the radio, you know, what people would try to create, uh, you know, a, a, an audio effect with just sounds. I mean, Sometimes you're walking through the woods in an, um, an MMORP or something like that, and you can hear the monsters in the background or something walking around, um, and you you could actually hear the uh, you know, something that alerts you to something that might be happening, but it actually adds to the story. And then there's the tension, too, because if you're trying to hide away from things or circumvent some sort of uh, obstacle you know, monster, whatever obstacle, you know, you, the audio part can really help you alert you to where you have to go. And with today's, uh, you know, headphones and all that, I mean, you can hear it real well. <laughs> yeah. Good headphones, so, good speakers. Good speakers. Um, yeah. 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 I'm a big fan of, uh, like, again, referencing Metro Exodus, uh, really good soundscape in that game. Like firing mm-hmm. the guns the way it might echo, depending on where you yeah. are, for example. Really brilliant. Sure. I haven't quite heard it. And I play a lot of shooters. I haven't heard really any other shooter do it. Okay, I haven't been like in an abandoned building firing an AK at monsters. But like, it's like, oh, this is what I imagine it would sound like. And that's how you feel when you're, when you're playing the game. So it's like really well, good exactly. feedback. And it's all, yeah. if, if you can feel that way, then they've accomplished, you know, the 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 artistry that they were trying to, to make you feel like you're really in that environment, at yeah. least in your imagination, which is what uh, storytelling is all about. Right. So, yeah. Uh, uh, Lily, Miss Silent Soldier, what do you think <laughs> about games as art? Um, and I kind of want to loop back around to the shooting thing because you are an active soldier as well. So that could be interesting. Like, how good is... Well, let's just jump right into that. How good in your experience, like, is sound design in games, particularly, like, shooting or military-style games? Um, I think I think sound design is, is really important, absolutely. Um, one thing, like, one thing I've noticed, um, especially with recent shooters, the, the big-name shooters like Battlefield, um, Battlefield Five does this really well, for instance, the the sound of the weapon firing actually makes it feel like more gritty, more, I guess, realistic in a sense. Like it almost, you can almost feel your, your screen like shaking more (laughs) when, when, and and, and it's, you know, it, it sounds weird when I say it, but it's true. Like you look at, at older shooting games where they didn't really have this, this down but like you know Mm. your screen shakes with the recoil and everything but it kind of feels just like you know it doesn't feel as as heavy when you're firing a weapon but anyone who's actually fired a like a rifle especially on like fully automatic you know that's like that's grinding into you that's you know it's it's a heavy feeling right recoils real yeah yeah and 
the sound of it can make that feel more um more impactful in a way like hearing your weapon like the internals of the weapon versus you know older shadow games which is just okay there's a bang and you know maybe the bang isn't as well developed but now it's like okay you can you can hear the internals of your weapon firing you can hear um the recoil uh of the of the bolt you can hear the weapon actually firing you can hear the bullet and each weapon sounds different like mm. uh in battlefield 5 the the smle doesn't sound the same or uh, not the smle that's battlefield 1 but like the stg doesn't sound the same as the sten right and, like yeah. the sten sounds lighter it sounds like a submachine gun the stg is is higher caliber it's an assault rifle so um i think sound design goes a long way in making those weapons feel more impactful. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, quick shout-out for, not a Mac game, but uh, 2019's Modern Warfare. The What I liked about it, okay, it's very arcadey and everything, so that part isn't realistic, um, but the weapon animations were really, really nice, like like a step up, at least compared to... Yeah, Shoes they were, I absolutely. Like, the reload animations and stuff as well, like, ooh, similar to what you were talking about with the audio like recoil and stuff just like it makes you feel like you're handling okay i haven't handled fully automatic rifles just semi-auto but it's like oh yeah this really adds to that immersion so little stuff like small animation touches just like really add to the immersion too that's Mm -hmm. pretty cool but as a general topic um you yourself as as a gamer uh lily like what do you think about the games as art proposal you know for you or is it just fun um, and games, entertainment, or is there like more there? No, I think I think there's definitely more there. Um, I feel like it depends on the game, because uh, I think every let's just put it this way: every game has some element of artistic design behind it. It has to, especially in the modern environment mm. of you know graphics and sound design. Everything's just getting so much better, um, but. I think some games are more artistic than others. Not all, not all games are made equal. Uh, right. it, like, uh, I think my ideal example would be, um, so you have a game like PUBG or Apex Legends or, um, you know, multiplayer only, like you kind of get in there, you shoot some things and then you're done. Right. Even in those games, there still has to be an aspect of, um, music of graphics of you know weapon design and and you know just the way the game feels the way it runs all of that takes time and effort and i don't feel that someone writing a code or someone designing the way a character looks is any less of an artist than someone you know directing a film or or drawing a, a painting, something like that. Um, but there are definitely uh, games that have a lot more artistic involvement. Things like, mm. uh, you know, Metro, Mass Effect, you know, Deus Ex, stories that that need writers, professional writers that have that take a lot of time to dedicate to this and, and give life to those characters. And especially stories like Metro and Mass Effect, where you have all these different um, routes that your character can take. You know, the 
like think about the voice actor for Commander Shepard. Like <laughs> one day you're voicing Shepard in this scenario and you're being noble and then probably just a couple minutes later you're being a complete asshole. Like that <laughs> that's that 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 takes some artistic skill there, like to to portray that emotion, to portray that um involvement. And I think that's that certain games for that reason can be considered to have much more um artistic development. But at the end of the day, I think again, games are a form of art. They're they're a form of entertainment, but art at its at its core is entertainment. We talk a lot about, you know, oh, artists are expressing themselves, and but yeah, they're expressing themselves as a form of providing entertainment. I forgot to think about it that way. I'm really glad you said that because people are looking at art typically to try and enjoy it. And we're typically mm-hmm. playing games to try and enjoy the game as well. So if you're just talking about general enjoying and entertainment, um, yeah, it's all in the same sphere. So it's, I'm really glad you said that. I also liked what you said about um, like every game has some artistry to it. It's just some more than others. That was largely my thrust last podcast as well. Like I think I give it, I don't know, an example like Doom or like the remakes. Of course, there's a lot of artistry and creation involved. Um, but I guess I was talking more about like meaningful, like, I don't know, emotional impact or maybe trying to be philosophical or something like Bioshock. Um, but I, you know, of course, Lily and I were both huge Mass Effect fans. Um, sadly a game not on the Mac, although you can, for the longest time, you've been able to get it to run using crossover, like even several years ago, you could do it. And now you can probably even do it better. I don't know about the, the remaster the legendary edition or whatever it's called. I don't know if that one can run, but the older games I know can Casper. Yeah. Um, regarding the remaster, Andy, who we had on the podcast a while back, Andy Sai, he did a video where he actually showed the remastered versions running through Ooh. crossover. So that definitely does work. Hype. Nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really great set of games with a cool story, you know, and also that carries over your choices. If you import your saves and yeah, you can, you can't really be like truly evil the way you could and say like I don't know some other some other games or maybe like games like Baldur's Gate or something. Um, you can basically just be a jerk saving the galaxy or like a really nice guy or gal saving the galaxy. <laughs> I guess there are a few moments where you can be like kind of evil. Say like um, whether you <laughs> if you kill what is it Rex at the end of Mass Effect One or not or whatever like that's pretty evil. Yes. Yeah. Or if you choose to like uh, save spoilers. Well, the game is from 2007, so uh, <laughs> I feel like that, whatever, statue of spoilers is, is fine. Um, or like, yeah, there's a few like pretty clear, more like good and evil type choices in the game, though surprisingly most of them seem to be related to the um, to the Krogans, really. Um, I guess there's a couple <laughs> other. Basically, it's like, how, not, how do you like help propagate these alien races alien to humans or do you like eradicate them see also the rachni queen also mass effect one it's all in mass effect one anyway i don't know actually never finished mass effect three so i'm not sure if you have any xeno destroying opportunities there but um yeah um yeah games is art games is entertainment definitely there speaking of all these various games to play let's talk about some personal strategies for 
playing games maybe we've either haven't played at all or only half played or whatever basically our gaming backlogs everyone has one it's just a matter of if it's you know five or ten games or a hundred um <laughs> so um i've made some progress on my backlog in the last year or two basically i was i was on a really good schedule if you will more like i would just because i tend to play single player games or maybe some single player games that had a multiplayer component as well and then play it for a while you know a few months or something and then move on to the next one but then i got sucked into the black hole of endless games that never end a lot of them are blizzard titles like hearthstone and uh, heroes of the storm or you know dota 2 over on steam and stuff like that um or just even multiplayer stuff call of duty um where you just can play forever it doesn't end it only ends when you stop playing there's no like here's here's the end of the game so um i never made any progress but i kept either games kept piling up or i'd buy them on sale the usual nonsense oh it's on sale you know um and then before i knew it yeah i had this like 20 30 game list long of like stuff i actually really wanted to play but i was never playing so so i just went like cold hardcore cold turkey and all the endless games just immediately like booted them all out although there were a few reinstalls along the way and then i had to like play and then ah no ah, uninstall again <laughs> and then work on my backlog um so i made a lot of progress i even keep a list of like games to do and stuff i haven't done and like what's max specific and a couple what do you call it a uh, boot camp things and this and that so I've, I've done a lot i think i've knocked out like i don't know 20 or something in the last year or two maybe more so i'm, I'm down to like one two three four five six seven. okay i'm down to like eight not bad it's hmm. a lot better but I still get sidetracked. I try to keep a, uh, you know, a, what do you call it? A rule where, like, don't buy anything new until you have something, until you need something new to play. Like, I'm out of games. What's new? Um, of course, I've occasionally bought something new and played it, and that's, like, sidetracked me. Like, um, speaking of GeForce Now, really quick, I tested out their um, 3080 RTX founder, not founder, tier, the, like, $99 for six months. So I got it for 90 um because of the founder discount you know it gives 1440p streaming and um what else 120 fps and better latency and blah 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 um so it's pretty cool but there's no game to actually take advantage of it but that's kind of the other than cyberpunk 2077 that's kind of it um but i've been getting sidetracked by sets and screed valhalla because it was on sale and i had a 10 dollar coupon from epic so i got it for like 25 dollars so it's hard to pass up. Um, so that sidetracked me as well. <laughs> like I'm, I'm supposed to be playing like Disco Elysium and uh, Warhammer Dawn of War three. Like that's my next like to do. Um, so some progress, some sidetracking, some backtracking. I've largely avoided like getting sucked into the endless games again. Though I still have friends on like Dota two or Heroes of the Storm. Like come play, come play, come play. And I'm like, it's fun, but it's the same fun I've played hundreds or even thousands of times. It's like it's like boring fun. I want my, my main goal, like my main discipline now is like, I want new experiences. It doesn't have to be a new game, just a game I haven't played or maybe a game I've half played and I want to finish the story because, oh, this game actually had a really interesting story or a really interesting character or maybe a really interesting theme or or gameplay loop or whatever. Um, there has been a list of abandoned games, though. Um, I have stuff here like After Party my and I have all these little notes. Good, but not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh hacknet this little hacking game interesting but not amazing shadow of the tomb raider i wrote terrible theme boring story <laughs> oh, um 
I, I really don't like the, the, I love the first two games anyway. I don't know. Okay. Um, some other stuff, Tooth and Tail, I'm like, I've forgotten how to play this. I loaded it up and I couldn't, this little like strategy game with mice and, and uh, like animals and stuff. I couldn't remember how to play it. Um, I don't know. Epistory Typing Chronicles, like a typing directed game. I got stuck on a, I got stuck like in a bug, <laughs> like endlessly. And I'm just like, whatever. And I gave up. Um, a couple other games. I actually got stuck on John Wick Hex too. Um, though not because of a bug. Anyway, I don't want to take over with all my like abandoned games, but I have like this abandoned section and reasons why. <laughs> uh you know in a pretty long completed section so that's my strategy with like largely successful but not entirely some sidetracking um basically the only way to do it has been like ruthlessly disciplined about like avoiding games but then it's like maybe you have friends in these games and you want to go play hang out and play with them sometimes it could be whatever there's so many multiplayer games these days uh easy to get sucked into them but I also love single player games and a great story and characters or those, you know, or epic type games like Mass Effects or RPGs or whatever. Your Baldur's Gate 3, Divinity Original Sins, like these cool epic games with stories and characters and romances and adventure. And anyway, like Ted was talking a lot about, like a good a good narrative hook, like really, really drives me in games. So single player games or maybe cooperative games tend to have those more than a pure multiplayer title on average. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it for me. Anyone else is free to go next on their personal, the on paper and the reality, as Lily said earlier, before we recorded. Well, I mean, um, personally, as with most parts of my life, um, I exist with zero structure. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like the least organized person in the world. Uh, I, I don't have a like written down backlog or anything like that. Um, I don't even really have one in my head. I just know that there are plenty of games that I should have played, but I forgot about and by the nature of forgetting about them, I don't know what they are anymore. <laughs> that makes um, sense. Yeah. Um, I, I do sometimes just go through my list of games on Steam that I don't have installed, and I go like, mm. oh, I should play that one at some point, and then I forget <laughs> about that again. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to mostly play like one, two, at most three games at a time, um, where one is more like narrative-based and the others might just be like light entertainment switch your brain off type things mm, right. um so i, I guess I, I focus a bit uh, on one thing pu- push through it and then initiate something new after that um though i have done this thing with red dead redemption 2 where i'm like in the f- i think final act of the game i don't know for sure and then i just started playing um disco elysium and push through all of that it like while not finishing Red Dead, right? And now I've started Jedi Fallen Order. I still haven't <laughs> finished Red Dead. I just like played a few missions of Red Dead, and then I went like, "Oh, Fallen Order looks fun," and then started doing that. <laughs> so yeah, zero structure. Uh, I just sometimes go through my Steam games, and if there's something on sale for like a good Christmas holiday sale or something, I I right. pick something new up to add to the list of not yet played games. <laughs> And sometimes, yeah. like, if I see something that's specifically on the Mac, I'll pick that up just because I want to support Mac development. And, yeah, right. you know, if it looks good and it has a Mac version, then extra incentive from my side to, to get it. Nice. Well, I, I like that. I like your style because that's how I used to be until I acquired a backlog. And it's actually way more fun to play that way. Because now I feel, <laughs> almost feel, it's almost feel like it's like a chore sometimes. It's like, here's this list. Oh. So I'm trying to clear the backlog to get rid of that feeling and not just yeah. like, yeah, I'd rather just basically do exactly what you're doing i have this steam category called the great backlog project and so it lists uninstalled or not what (laughs) what's there and again i've eliminated tons of it so it's getting there but i still feel like 
yeah, I'd rather have that carefree, just like whatever feeling basically unstructured what you're talking about. So I admire you. I'm trying to get there, but I'm, I'm still, still got some stuff to go through. Ted, how about First you? time I've ever been admired for oh, having sorry. no structure. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I kind of a different than, um, uh, in different way. I have, uh, usually three types of games going at one time. I usually have one MMORP going, one cooperative game, and one single-player game. And um, I'll, I'll get hooked into the deals when something comes up. But usually if, if the game is – I get it, I install it, I play it, and it's in one of those categories, I usually stick with it for a long time. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> I played uh, World of Warcraft since the beginning – so I think that's probably about 15 years, which is a bit long, but, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was, so I, I guess it's kind of like playing the game to death. Same with the, uh, Diablo, um, mm. the, the original one and, and the second one, I think I played, you know, all the way three on all different levels, you know, playing with a friend or playing separately. But, um, yeah, generally if I have a, you know, and right now I'm kind of looking for a single player game, although I'm kind of, um, I actually bought the, uh, Metro Exodus Sam story and I was planning on getting into that to, you know, nice. go through it, but, uh, that would be my, you know, you know, single player, but I'm playing two other games right now, one cooperative with a friend and then, you know, one MMORP. So that's. That's usually the way I do it. I do sometimes have a backlog, and if if the game is really that good, it doesn't hook me into it. It might sit there for a while, or it might not sit there for a very long while. <laughs> you know, right. um, it, it's just like a book. If if the book can't pull me into it quickly enough, it might just get put aside and not read. Or you know, I don't have a vested interest. I mean, you know, you're paying for it, but it's like. If it can't pull me into the story or they do something stupid like, you know, the game is so impossibly hard or y y that you have to take go back 15,000 steps to get back to where you were when something went wrong. It's like, uh, OK, is it really worth the effort to do it all over again? Mm. Or it, it is or it isn't depending on the game. And that's, you know, I've run into a couple of games like that where, uh it wasn't worth going into it, but that's usually my thing. I don't usually have a big backlog. Um, I agree with Casper big time. If, if a game comes out on that's that has a Mac uh, OS version, I'll generally do some serious research on it. And if I don't own it and it looks good, I'll get it and you know put that into my let's get this tried out soon queue type of thing. Uh, that that's how I found a couple of real good gems that way over the years. So. Um, nice. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my story on it. So nice, nice. And Lily, spotlight on you. What's your hmm. personal strategy, <laughs> if if any, available for gaming backlogs? Honestly, I'm you know, life is busy, <laughs> so uh, most of the time I just kind of you know I'll just send it depending on. <laughs> On how much time I have, or or what exactly is is uh, like attracting me at the time. Like I, I have a couple different um, genres that I like to focus on. So 
RTS, MOBAs, MMOs, FPSs. Um, I kind of I kind of play it all. I'm the the jack of all trades, master of none. But uh, uh, so I kind of have a list for each uh, genre, basically, like um, for the never ending games like MMOs or MOBAs. It's like kind of always there. Like I I like playing League of Legends. I never got on the Dota train. Um, for my MOBA choice, for my MMO, I used to be big on World of Warcraft. Now I play Final Fantasy XIV a lot. Um, and then uh, RTSs, I'll like bounce around the Total Wars. I have like a little list of, okay, I want to finish playing the uh, Dawn of War series. I'm currently still on one of the... the uh, Dawn of Two. I'm on like Dawn of War 1, the Necron one. Oh, one those. Of the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's good. Yeah, I'm working my way up, way up to Soulstorm, so I get to play my excellent Sisters of Battle, um, my favorite faction. But uh, right now I'm playing the Eldar. Uh, but yeah, then like FPSs, I have a, a little list of those. Um, and so it really just depends on, A, how much time I have. Like, you know... Am I getting pulled into the field for a week tomorrow? If so, I'm probably not going to start piling a lot of time into a RTS or something, because then I start a campaign, and then I'm in the middle of it, and then I leave, and then I come back, and it's like, all right, why are the French invading my border again? <laughs> and then <laughs> um, and then if I'm like, like right now I got some downtime, not entirely, like, Assigned somewhere, I'm kind of floating in between. That's when I'll kind of start hitting off stuff like, you know, MOBAs, RTSs, that sort of stuff. Right, things can really sink into. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty nebulous strategy, all things considered. But that's just a side effect of how my life has. Well, yeah, well, you you play, assembled. yeah, you play based on your circumstances. I mean, it's very reasonable, actually, mm-hmm. um, and. And you, there is some strategy there, like you were saying. If you're really busy or you're being deployed or this or that, you're not going to dive into like, you know, some RTS campaign or whatever. You'll play something else. So you do have you do have a strategy. You are you are doing something. Um, and I like that you also have some lists. Um, it's funny to me because I've never been an MMO gamer other than testing out a few trials. Um, World of Warcraft. I don't know. I played a tour into level twenty. Um, what else? Guild Wars 2, I faffed around with a little bit. There's probably a couple others I can't even remember the names of. Um, but, like, these MMO and MOBA lists hardly ever change, other than, I guess, there's new MMOs released. But the the the, the MOBA list is so static. League was out in 2009, and Dota 2 was out in 2011. And it's like, they're, they're just the MOBAs. Okay, here's the storm came along, made a little splash, but nothing, you know, a lot of people consider it pitily. There's a bunch of other MOBAs that have launched and died in the meantime. There's funny little, like, 2D ones and top-down one, like, not, like, more like indie MOBAs, essentially. And they're floating around, have some little popularity, but it's like, Dota League is like the kings, and they've been there for, like, over a decade each. So that's kind of interesting to me. MMOs as well, it's like, wow, and Final Fantasy XIV are, are the kings, or king and queen, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, maybe, like, okay, now New World's out. You know, that's, like, getting a lot of buzz. Whoa, speaking of buzzing, Casper's <laughs> mic just went Someone bonkers. dropped a mic. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> this is why I just use the mic that is attached to my headphones. 
And maybe you can tell me when he's not fuzzy, because I muted him. Because <laughs> it's going into the recording. Yeah. Sorry. He's working on it. Technical difficulties. I don't even remember. Oh, I was talking about like MOBAs moving and stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, I think we're good now. Um, oh, right. MMOs. Um, yeah, it's interesting how other genres, there's so many more new releases and so many more contenders, whereas like MMOs and MOBAs are like pretty slow moving because um, people tend to get into them for, yeah, years and years at a time. Years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I find I find that interesting. Um yeah, but I like I like your guys's flow. Like, I feel like because in part of this is also various times doing game journalism, which Ted has done some of as well. And sometimes it's not actually that fun because you're not playing a game for fun. You're playing it to basically find out why it's good and bad. And you tend to focus more on the bad than the good because the good's easy. Oh, this part's fun. That part's great. But then it's like, okay, what about it? sucks <laughs> what about it isn't fun or not well designed or developed or you know what would irritate you you know potentially irritate um gamers and stuff like that um and that can actually suck a little of the joy out of it um so playing a backlog is in the same as game journalism but in some parts it's actually taken a little bit of the joy out of it because i'm always at this point i find myself rushing to get through games even if the game's really replayable i'm like i'm playing this once i don't have time to sit here and play it like two or three times I'm just going to play it once. I'm just going to one-shot it. So I found myself doing stuff I normally would never, ever do, like um, lowering the difficulty so it's it's faster to go through or less grindy or combat's easier or something. Normally, I never would do that. I typically always play on, like, hard or something or whatever. Now I'm like, I just did, I'm doing that with AC Valhalla. I just put it down to easy. I'm like, I don't want to sit here hitting a guy, like, ten times with my axe before he dies. Wow. I want to hit him, like, twice. Wow before he dies because there's like a hundred casual gamer yeah no yeah. i'm turning into a like casual other gamer guys I know. out there <laughs> I feel, with I your fancy lame. little setup you're probably gonna start streaming <laughs> oh did i put it away i had a little I had a little camera i was gonna hold it <laughs> oh i, yeah, I put it. it i put it away and now oh, it's in it's in the drawer in my dresser um, now you're the streamer, Miss. I forget what your stream name is. Um, <laughs> Vex. Vex. Yes. Because Vex was taken, so now I'm Vex. I'm you're very vexed, vexed by vexed the lack of my name. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. So I've turned into a dirty, filthy casual in some cases. Um, but other games, I still just like play normally. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get there. There's still a couple of heavy hitters in the way, though. That'll that'll take up a lot of time. But um. Yeah, yeah, I basically just want to get back to that no no hurry, no rush, no like oh I got to get through this cuz there's always more to play type of thing. Obviously I don't have to, but also since I bought these games, I want to like get my money's worth, quote unquote, out of them, you know. Um so then I'm like, oh well, I got to play it. But in, like I said, I have that abandoned list, so some don't some don't make the cut. But um <laughs> yeah, the good news is there's always lots of games in the past, in the present, uh, in the future. Uh, there's no end of games. There's, like, more than a bazillion game. I don't even know. Like, what is... <laughs> is is there, like, a statistic, like, of how many games are... Uh, computer games, not mobile, because that's its own, you know, seventh circle of the underworld. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, how many games are there, like, on Steam plus, I don't know. You can also tell, like, uh, non-DRM platforms, like GOG or Richio or whatever. I'm like, I don't know what that number is, but it's got to be really, really, really high. Um 
I mean, like, kind of all time, basically. Obviously, if you're talking purely, like, what can run on my Mac right now, that number diminishes a lot because of, you know, all the uh, hardware and software changes and stuff like that. Um, speaking of hardware and software, uh, Casper, you had linked some interesting stuff on game development. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah, so there's this YouTuber called Game From Scratch. Um, he does among other things, uh, tutorials on game development and, and stuff like that. And um, he released a video recently about the uh, M1 Max MacBook Pro. Uh, specifically, he was testing the 24-core model. Um, and he was not testing it for how good it is at playing games. He was testing it for how good it is at making games and the development workflow there, hmm. uh, running it through tests for Unity, Unreal Engine, Unreal Engine 5 specifically. Uh Blender and various uh, artistic tools for creating and, and artwork and things like that. Um, and he concluded it to be a nicer experience to work with than his Razer Blade. I think it was the 14 he was comparing it against. But I also, So he, he had the 24-core GPU M1 Max, and I think that was on the 14-inch Book Pro as well. But I'm not sure on that. going to have to double-check it. But yeah, it's something like that. Um, and he said it was a nice experience in the Razer Blade. Um, I think the Razer Blade had a 3060 RTX GPU or something. Um, so, of course, it's not comparing against the, the big league or anything. Mm. Um, comparing against a machine that is meant for at least gaming-related workflow, right? Um, yeah, that's what's really interesting about the new hardware is that it's very good at productivity, including apparently making games. Um, mm -hmm. And it's even pretty solid at running quite a lot of them you know it's a the m1 as we already know very great we've talked to the, uh talked a lot about a lot on the podcast we each gave our well not each sam and i gave our impressions a few shows ago casper your 24 cores on the way and any day now right should arrive tomorrow oh hype so you can you can check that out um but it's true there is you know um there's not like really that many games to take advantage of with this new stuff, whether a 24 core or let alone an M1 Max. Other than again, the only thing that could really stress it is like Borderlands 3. Like that's mm -hmm. it. There's not a single other game available to play on Mac right now that would actually stress out. Like probably mm -hmm. not even, I don't know, maybe a 24 core, but like a jacked up M1 Max, like a 32 core, 64 gig RAM. There's like literally one game that could like strain the machine. Um, and that's kind of sad because, you know, you, you would like more games to like, oh, of course, you can you can go back and play a bunch of other games and like 4K resolution and get like 100 FPS or whatever. That's cool. Um, but it's not quite the same thing. Um, it's, mm -hmm. you know, so this uh, we talked a tiny bit last show about like, does Apple care about gaming? I think Sam or one of you found some interesting quotes. Um, this other MAGA well, it's called laptopmag.com. I saw this on Reddit. I just linked it. And the title is, It's Time Apple Gave a Damn About Gaming. And same thing. They're saying these machines are really good. The hardware's there. You know, the power's there. We just need more games. Um, the article incorrectly states there's only one native M1 game, or Silicon game, being World of Warcraft. It was the first native Silicon game, at least that we know of. Um, that being said, there's not that many. There's only like five, four or five AAA or double a like native games like mm -hmm. Baldur's gate three and um total war rome Re rome remaster disco elysium there may be a few others um there's not and there's a bunch of like random little indie ones or a couple on the apple arcade uh beneath a steel sky or something um 
there's there's some out there. But so the main point is, yeah, there's not a lot, but there are more than just one. Saying there's only one makes it sound like really, really bad. <laughs> um, but I like that there's this more collective energy out there among the interwebs, even like, I don't actually, I'm not familiar with Laptop Mag, for example. I don't know how, are they just, are they very like PC biased or Mac biased or just all laptops in general? I don't know. Um, but I do like it's out there more and more. Like we had that YouTube video with the guy interviewing the Apple XS, Apple XX, XX, I can't say the word, executives asking them about gaming. So it's just kind of in the ether. People are wondering more. They're voicing it more on like social media articles, YouTube videos. Um, so I like that it's getting out there and hopefully that sentiment will, you know, reach Apple or reach developers and be like, oh, hey, there's like, there's some momentum here. That would be yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I think that's a big point of this as well, though, that even if this doesn't reach Apple necessarily, it might reach the larger development community and more video gamers might see the Macs. Uh, like if they start using more Macs in development process, then mm. they might have a larger interest in also developing the games to be released on Mac. Uh, right. That guy I mentioned on, on YouTube game from scratch he said he uses a mac for video editing normally but he wouldn't consider game development on a mac for uh he got the m1 max machine and now that's viable as well so he doesn't need to also have his uh, racer up for that purpose he can just right all on one more machine. all in one right you can do it like that was the part of the laptop mac article as well it's like look i have an m1 max this machine's great i can do all my productivity and whatever, developing, uh, editing, writing, whatever on it. But I also want to just chill and play my games too. But like, give me more games. That That's the thrust of the article. It's coming from a place of like, hey, we have these awesome hardware that can do tons of stuff. Let's let's get more support for it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so hopefully that, that does reach out there. And also, um, I think you mentioned yeah. uh, on an earlier show that Larian um, have internally in the studio people who use Macs. And that's yeah. why they're so interested in getting things like Baldur's Gate on the Mac and stuff. Yeah. So if that like spreads to more studios, it could be really good. For yeah, they do. Um, they have, I don't know, they have their own name. They're called Elveris. You can look them up, E-L-V-E-R-A-S. They have their own little website. But they actually are part of Larian's internal team. And they're the ones who just pushed for the like the Mac port of the early access Baldur's Gate 3 Mac port. And they specifically said that in their update, like, oh, we have some huge Mac fans on the team here, and they're the ones who pushed to get this mm -hmm. out. Otherwise, they were just going to wait till it was out of early access, then do it then. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, we basically just need more of that. seems like a lot of, you know, pros are picking up the new M1, or the new, not M1, the M1 Pros and M1 Max machines. So hopefully it gets out there in some game devs, um, and they get and they get development for us. Um, and speaking of just general gaming not native, but more like crossovery stuff. Uh, people are tinkering around with uh, more, what is it, DXVK on crossover and claiming, um, I think in some cases, doubling their frame rates on certain games. I don't know. He mentioned a couple of racing games, I think, GTA V. Um, but I think you were saying, Casper, you noticed some stuttering over time with these. Yeah, that's in every version of crossover I've seen, really. Um, you might get like super good frame rates that average like 100 FPS or something, but then there's all these little stutters where it runs perfectly for five minutes, and then there's one frame that just takes like four seconds to render, and that kind of thing can be pretty annoying when you're playing and getting into the spirit of things, even if the average frame rate is good. Right. Like yeah, 
yeah, I have seen that in some of the example videos. Um, had a few sent to me by some friends and stuff. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, this is stuttering for like the first three minutes. Like it gets better later or the reverse issue. It like stutters a bunch first, then smooths out. So basically it's all a matter of what are you like, what are you willing to tolerate to play the game in question? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, are you willing to tolerate that kind of stutter or maybe whether it's up front or later or through in, intermittent, you know, would you rather try and do something on boot camp or the new machines you can't boot camp? So maybe you turn to streaming, whatever. Again, our hope is, of course, at the end of the day, more native stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But it does show that the non-native aspect of uh, Mac gaming or gaming on a Mac more accurately is also improving. Basically, that is getting better and better over time. So that's encouraging if that's like your jam. And going by like the kind of questions I see in certain Mac gaming discords, um, Mac gaming subreddit, a lot of people are into this, this like, how do I run it through crossover or parallels or, you know, some form of wine or, or whatever it might be, um, you know, less interest in bootcamp these days more. in how do I just do it from my Mac side? So that's been interesting to see. Um, mm-hmm. Not my preference, but obviously it's good that it's there. So there is a wider range of games supported. I have, I think crossover is a really cool tool. I was actually given a developer key for a review. And sorry, Code Weavers, I never actually put out a review of your <laughs> of your software. That was several years ago. Uh, my bad. Uh, I've only there's only one other game or one other product I did that with, which was uh, what is it? The Flame and the Flood. This little like survival indie game from a while ago. I got a key. Technically, it's not my fault because I gave it to a, a writer to review and they said they would do it and then they never did. And I'm like, dude, the company gave me the key. Like, I'm on the line. Like, you got you to get a review. And actually, no, wait. I wrote the review, but I didn't publish it. That's what happened. Anyway, that, I'm, I'm rambling at this point. Crossover is a really good software, <laughs> even if it's not my preferred, like, obvious, you know, way to game in the Mac. I think it's super cool. I did play before the Dawn of War series was ported, not Dawn of War 1, like Lily's playing through. Dawn of War 2, Feral ported over. Um, there's two or three three games in that series. Um, before that, what the official ports came out, I played it all through Crossover, ran really well. Played, like, Fear 3, ran really well. Uh, Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl ran really well. See, they're older titles, but they're also, like, really good games in general. Okay, Fear 3 is probably the worst of the trilogy, but um, there's a lot of cool games you can play in Crossover. Um, have they properly... <sighs> Because, what is it, Transgaming, who ran the whole Cider thing, the commercialized offshoot of Wine, several years ago announced they they were adding DirectX 12 support to their, you know, their package. And then NVIDIA bought them and they just died, which is weird. And I was like, oh, cool, maybe NVIDIA will do something with, like, Mac Gaming, and then they never did. Um, Of course, now we have GeForce Now, you can stream, but it's not quite the same thing. Um, So, yeah, I basically, like, more official support for for this stuff would be nice because the site like that the 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 cider tech from transgaming was actually really cool i mean back in 2011 i recall playing skyrim flawlessly not a single bug i just threw the game and the cider wrapper and it worked it was like took me five minutes it's like what (laughs) of course the licensing for the game was apparently like hundreds of thousands of dollars or something that was the problem that's impossible i don't believe you there's no engine or computer build in the world that can run skyrim flawlessly 
Well, what do you mean by flawlessly? I meant like <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't running it at like 4K thousand FPS or something. Um, I just meant I didn't have like crashes, mouse bugs, keyboard input problems because this was running through a wrapper. Yes, um, but the way will always be blocked by Lydia. <laughs> You're not wrong. Oh my god, she's okay. Small Skyrim anecdote. She scared the crap out of me when I got my first house and whatever it is, White Run or something. I can't remember the exact <laughs> name. And you get her as a companion or whatever from. Is it the Companion Guild? Anyway, I went into the, my house. It's kind same. of twilight. Yeah, twilighty dark. I go into my room, da da da, upstairs, and like put some stuff on the table. And I turn around, and she's sitting there in the dark in the corner, like leaning at me. And I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit! Oh my god! Like, what is she doing?" <laughs> she's staring at you with those yeah. unblinking eyes. And yeah, then you hear it in the corner, out of the darkness. I am sworn to carry your burdens. (laughs) (laughs) It totally startled me. I'm like, oh my god. Um, Yeah. So, you know, it's it's funny that there's quite a few games that actually run very well on Mac through these non-native methods, but were never officially, you know, sold or ported over or whatever. Um, But, you know, the community is large and the gamers want a game, so they find a way. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much in most cases. Um, but sometimes um, these solutions also get used in sort of more of an official capacity. Like, um, so it got mentioned earlier, Final Fantasy fourteen. The Mac version of that actually runs through a form of crossover. So um, the developers, I forgot who develops Final Fantasy fourteen. It's probably Square some Enix. Square Enix. Yeah, but is it, is it Square Enix themselves or do they license it out to another studio? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Yeah, they're definitely the publisher, but are they the developer? Well, whatever. I think the developers um, made a deal with the uh, Code Weavers. Um, I mean, this is a service Code Weavers offers. It's not a specific deal with them, um, where they would make a specialized crossover wrapper for the Mac version of Final Fantasy fourteen. So you're actually running the Windows version. It's just through a version of crossover that's been specifically crafted to make it easy and seamless to play Final Fantasy fourteen. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, just as an aside, it is Square Enix who also develops it. Nice. Both developer and publisher. Yep. I'm surprised more companies don't do that. Uh, I think World it was of how Tanks the Witcher ran also. on Mac as well back in the day. Uh, which, well, yeah, The Witcher 1 is a yes. wine port. The Witcher 2... Was done by oh my god, what's their names? I've, not Feral, not Aspire. It's the third one. Oh my god, I can't remember their name all of a sudden. Uh, well, I never knew their name, so you're ahead of me on that mm, one. I've kind of written them off. Oh, they're the people who um, I'm mad at them because they st- like bought the MacGamer.com domain and refused to sell it, and it routes to their crummy what's it called? Deliver. Did deliver to Mac or something? Okay, it doesn't even seem to be working. Hmm. Now we used to reroute to their terrible, like, not even mobile-friendly store. It's so out of date. And I even was in com- some communication with them trying to buy it, and they refused. And I'm like, curse you! Oh, give me your, like, I'm trying to throw them in. Give me your domain. And they, they refused. <laughs> they also bought the Twitter handle off Apple, like, 10 years ago or something. So, oh, oh my god, virtual programming. There we go. It took a while. <laughs> um, they helped port The Witcher 2. Um, they didn't like, they didn't like completely do it the way like Feral or Aspire might. 
they see, as far as I can tell from some blog posts and this and that, they basically, they, they did do development on it. But they like worked with CD Projekt Red to do it. It was like in tandem more like a joint effort rather than a pure, like they just ported it on their own. Because the way they worded it was they helped port the Witcher to mm. the Mac. They weren't like, we did it anyway, unless it was just semantics. But um, So that was interesting. And of course, sadly, as we know, The Witcher 3 never made it to Mac officially, but it runs great in crossover. Heck, you can even run it on an M1 silicon machine. You can even run that. And I don't know how well it runs, frankly, but there's plenty of videos out there of people doing it. And of course, on an M1 Pro or an M1 Max, wouldn't be hard. Uh, on a current Intel machine, if you have a good one, uh, it's quite easy to run it through Parallels. I can do it. I actually... I was able to do it on my last computer, which wasn't even as strong as this one, and I could do it at 1080p, 60fps ultra. I just had to turn off the hair settings, like the hair mm-hmm. physics, like the special, like, more natural wavy-looking hair. I mean, Geralt's hair isn't that good-looking, let's be honest, so that was fine. But it's funny, <laughs> you turn that on, and it just destroys the frame rate. The game turns into a slideshow. It, like, can't handle his, I guess his hair is, like, too powerful. Um, Not as powerful parallels. as Siri's hair. Yeah, that's true. Hers, hers is more powerful. It'd probably just crash. I didn't even try. <laughs> um, but you turn that off and suddenly, boom, the game's like really happy and runs great. So, um, yeah, that's fun. Um, sort of on a quick gaming segue, we don't talk about mobile stuff too often here, but Ted, you had said you picked up, was it an iPad Pro recently? Yeah. I'm looking to, have you found any interesting games to play on it yet or? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been playing a couple things. Apple waved the three-month free um, Apple Arcade over over my nose, so I, I took that and I've been trying a couple of things. I found a couple of cute little. I found one cute little game. It's just a puzzle game where you solve a puzzle and it has kind of an off story to it. I can't even remember the name of it right now, but uh, I've only just started looking for things, but. Frankly, I haven't been seeing anything that really draws me in. And, um, you know, one of the things I was impressed, I mean, this is the uh, audio in the uh, iPad Pro, even with the little tiny little speakers and that are built into it. It was quite impressive when you're you're sitting there with it in front of you and you can you could hear the sound around you on stuff. I was really uh, kind of impressed with that. They did a excellent engineering job on that. But um so far, I haven't really found anything I really, really like. And, um, you know, I still just, you know, go play on my Mac. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was right. looking. The one thing I haven't tried yet, and I keep meaning to, but it's like uh, I got to find the time, is to do the um, um, the NVIDIA thing, the yeah, GeForce Now, and play a, a, one of my regular Windows games and stream it to it and see how that works. I just don't have... A, a controller and a keyboard attached to it yet, so I got to get around to setting that all up. But um, uh, so far, it's been nice. You know, I really like it. It's it's even the old games I was playing, <laughs> they load so much quicker. It's it's right. amazing how much more powerful it is than my old Air. So, um, well, yeah, the new iPad Pros are M1 chips now, right? Right, the, the, the it's ones, an M1 yeah. chip, yeah, just a basic one, but it's yeah. you know. So I would, I, I thought that yeah. might be fun to try it out. So, and and, and yeah, it's I mean, it's pretty yeah. nice, yeah. So, for but, a tablet, um, that's screaming, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was, it really is. But like I said, I hope I find something, you know, other than a couple. You know, most of the like 
pastime games, what I consider them, where you you play because it's interesting, a little bit of uh, mental work or whatever, like the puzzle game. You got to solve the puzzle, but most of them aren't really. Oh gosh, I can't wait to go back to it and continue <laughs> on with the story. So, um, um, right. I tried that. I yeah. think Casper uh, maybe suggested a game called Sky, if I remember that. Got the name title right? Sky yeah. Kingdom it, of Light. Yeah. Yeah, King, yeah. That was pretty good. I've been kind of poking around mm. that. That has a kind of a ethereal feel to it. But um, and you know, again, that one has an excellent soundtrack to it. <laughs> Go into back to the uh, game's artwork. That one's you know. They did a good. They actually promoted as, oh, make sure you wear headphones because you'll miss some of the effects. And uh, I haven't tried it with headphones yet, but it's really impressive with the built-in speakers. Which you know, again, that's what really impressed me on that. So nice. Yeah, must be similar tech to what they're using in the new laptops because the speakers are also very like for what the hardware also very impressive for what it is. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of thinking that was the case. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like all the best, again, depends on the kind of gamer you are, but like the best iPad games I can think of are all games mm-hmm. that just exist on the Mac that are ported to the iPad. <laughs> right. Like yeah. your Darkest Dungeon, Divinity Original Sin, XCOM, like all these Kotor. kind of games. Slay this. Yeah, KOTOR, Slay the Spire, yeah. like KOTOR, uh, aka Knights of the Old Republic, for those who don't know. Um, Which is getting a remake soon. Yeah. Super high. Yes. I'm. I played through that game t- at least two or three times way back in like 2007. Um, mm-hmm. um, and the story is also really, really good in that game. Like very, very good. And of course it has like the best bot ever. What is it? HK 47. Like, yeah. Calls everyone meat bags. Meat you know? bags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's fantastic. Um, that's old, you know, that's like peak or not quite peak, but like golden age Bioware basically. Mm-hmm. Right. like, they just kept putting out hit after hit after hit. Um, and then they've taken some hits, haha, uh, lately. And uh, we'll see if they can redeem themselves with, what, Dragon Age 4. And they're also making a new Mass Effect game. So they've been teasing that lately. Some images on the, uh, what would they call it, N7 Day, the anniversary, Mass Effect anniversary. And they tease some images. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, well, why don't we wrap up with uh, some games that like from each of us that we feel like we can always play or always enjoy kind of like we hinted at this at the end of the last show and maybe some others like what could be a timeless or ageless kind of game because we talked a little bit about how uh some games really do show their age or maybe the design really shows its age like maybe awesome for the time you revisit it five or ten years later it's like okay this is fun but it's like really clunky um but maybe you don't care so um Lily, I'm going to start with you because you've been going last in this discussion. Now you're first. Um, you know what, what I'm you... going to say. Uh, I know, but, you know, it's, Mass Effect. the audience doesn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've always loved Mass Effect. Even before Legendary Edition, Legendary Edition just makes it so much better. But, um, right. but yeah, even, even before Legendary Edition, I've just played through mass effect so many times they're just you know there's so many different classes within the classes you have so many different play styles um the play styles between each game can vary there's so many different choices and stories that you can choose to take part in um you know you can go pure renegade pure paragon and any shade in between just i've i've always loved it and 
I know a lot of people say, oh, none of it matters at the end. But, you know, to me, it's like the journey matters more than the end. So, yeah, I've I've always liked playing through, especially Mass Effect 1 and 2. Uh, Mass right. Effect 3 is, is much more of a linear story, but it's still fun and I'll still play through it every single time. Right. Out of, you mentioned 1 and 2 are more fun. If you absolutely had to pick 1 in the trilogy, like... I don't know. You're on a desert island somehow and you have power in a laptop. <laughs> Ridiculous, but whatever. Like, if you could only pick one of the three, which one would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm putting you on the spot here. If it's Is it Legendary Edition or not? Uh, yeah, we'll say it's Legendary. Yeah. Okay, with Legendary Edition, probably Mass Effect 1. I figured you'd say that. Yeah. 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 If it was not, Mass Effect 2. Just because the original Mass Effect one was just clunky. The story was fantastic, and the amount of things you could do in that game was great, but it was very clunky. Mm. But in the Legendary Edition remake, they fixed pretty much all the clunk. Yeah, well, it was an RPG with shooter elements, not a shooter with RPG elements, which they made the games as. Yeah. And you you can tell it's still a dated game, but it no longer plays strange there's not right, like the mako really polished, is actually yeah. controllable <laughs> you know then that makes oh. the exploration side of things a lot more fun as well because you're no longer like all right let me tap d once and i'm throwing myself off a cliff <laughs> yeah yeah that was rightly panned at the time um yeah huge huge fan of mass effect or crack effect um as i inadvertently tricked lily into calling it for a long time um <laughs> you didn't trick it i i fully accept that you know well, yeah, I, not i'm trick. on that i'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> well not trick that's the wrong word but like pass that on um really good series for me um i'm gonna have to pick deus ex um the original sadly isn't play well not natively playable on mac i'm sure it would run quite easily through crossover or parallels like without a hitch um that remains my most played single player game of all time like at least 15 to 20 times full runs finish to start same thing similar to what lily was talking about with mass effect trying different builds and classes and picking different sides making different choices taking different routes all that kind of stuff it's a little more expansive than mass effect in that sense but um peak ion storm way back in the day um uh but if i had to pick a more modern one um mankind divided Deus Ex Mankind Divided, which is technically a prequel, and it does that funny thing some prequels do, where even though it's a prequel, it's in some cases technologically superior. <laughs> even though it's supposed to be set before, it's actually like more fancy in some cases, but that's basically for the for the game side, so you get cool toys and augmentations to play around with. Um, it's technically the second game in the reboot. Uh, I think it came out in 2016, ported by Feral Interactive. Really great port, great Mac optimization, even back then. Now on a strong Intel or, you know, uh, M1 Pro or Max machine, you could really crank, like, the resolution and settings if you weren't able to before. I did go back on, I think, this iMac, and I played it in, like, 4 or 5K mega settings. It was like, oh, this actually looks... It looked good anyway, but the resolution increase, like, really, really sharpens it. And the game, we're talking about artistry and everything. We were earlier really interesting artistic design choices in that game. Sort of this Victorian meets futuristic meets cyber setting. It's it's really unique blend of, of setting and characters. Um, but a really fun RPG. Lots of mysteries and side quests to explore in the game and Mankind Divided specifically. Uh, in Human Revolution, the previous game, which 
for some reason had a Mac version by Feral for a while, and then I think it expired, the licensing or something that happens, it just poofed. If you still have the game like installed in your Steam library, you could still play it. But if you were to delete it, I don't think you can like reinstall it. Some weird thing like that. Um, and of course, they made a director's cut, but that didn't make make it to the Mac side, sadly. Um, but Mankind Divided still still a great game. Direct continuation. There's no like importing of your choices. Human Revolution had I think four different endings, three main endings and a secret one. Mounted to button pressing, kind of lame, honestly, but. Mankind Divided makes that a canon choice. Um, interestingly, and I'll wrap it up with this, I think the game is just visually fun. It's a cool RPG shooter. You can, you know, you're ultimately, a, you know, you're playing an Interpol agent at this case, Augmented. But, you know, it tries to say something about, like, race and class divides, like, Augmented versus non-Augmented, and kind of makes some interesting statements there. Um, but what I find the most compelling is it's, like, semi-open world in the city of Prague, or whatever that whatever year that is in the future of Prague. Um, there's actually the side stories are far more interesting actually than the main story in, in Mankind Divided. The main story is fine, but there's a ton of really cool side quests you can just get lost in, like solving crimes that actually makes like really reasonable case for like a good, what do you call it? Crime simulator. Um, I don't know. You can get just locked in apartments with like strange AIs that are out to get you. Uh, you can stumble on like weird underground cults in the sewers. There's just all this stuff that's totally optional and you may never see if you don't explore. Um, in similar, in a very different sense to Mass Effect, because Mass Effect, you're exploring that like vastness of space and that's really exciting. Um, but there's also a lot to explore in a game like Mankind Divided. And for me, it's like a timeless game because I love the themes of like augment, like human augmentation and, um, you know, kind of this like global conspiracy stuff and shadow wars and, you know, what can one person do to try to change or alter fates? And, but mostly it's just like a fun RPG series for me. That's what I really, for me, that's why it's timeless. I've rambled on longer than I wanted to, but I love the series as a whole, barring Invisible War, which was not a bad game, but it was a bad Deus Ex game. So we'll just pretend Invisible War <laughs> never happened. Um, yeah. So that's, that's it for me. Sorry for taking up more time. Uh, hmm. Ted or Sam, you have a like a forever game for you? Um, uh, I can pick yeah. up it. Yeah. Sorry, I called you Sam. Ted or Casper. Yeah, my sure, bad, no my worries. bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think my number one pick in terms of games of all time really is uh, The Longest Journey, which is an old point and play adventure game. I think it came out in like 1996 or something. Maybe it was in the 90s, hmm. late 90s. Um, right. And it has... A fantastic story. I absolutely love it. There's three games in the series. Um, the latest one, Dreamfall Chapters, does have a Mac version, but it makes absolutely zero sense to play it if you don't play the games prior in the series. Um, so you can't really avoid, you know, not the Mac side of things if you want to play the full experience, uh, unless you've already played them previously, where you can then pick up the latest version or the latest entry in the series and play. But it is one continuous story throughout all three games. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there was going to be a The Longest Journey Home, which was going to sit in between the very first and the second one, but that didn't really get funding, so that didn't happen, unfortunately. An absolutely right. fantastic uh, series of games. Yeah. Um, in Sorry, quick aside, it seems like The Longest Journey, the original one you were mentioning, is on iOS, apparently. It had an iOS version, but it was before 
iOS went 64-bit only, and it was only a 32-bit version, and just fell apart from me, so... I see, I see, okay. Unfortunately, it no longer exists. But um, strong, yeah. Oh, what, sorry? Go ahead. I was just going to say the strong story element is what's really, like, giving it its staying power, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, the the visuals are obviously dated because you're looking at like 340p uh, resolution or something, right? But it it's fine. It it looks good enough for what it's doing, even though it looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> also, aside from that, I also really really love the old RPG Gothic Two. Um, I think that came out in 2002, and it's again one of those games that again you can see it. The visuals aren't great, and the controls are horrendous. By standard by default it assumes you don't have a mouse it assumes you're mm-hmm. only got a keyboard you can enable mouse control but the mouse control kind of janky uh, so it's almost better to just play it keyboard only great game <laughs> um yeah it was 2002 yeah whoa my memory is sharp today uh, <laughs> um I was thinking of one more that was not available on mac os as well but I forgot what that was right now but Two games that do exist on macOS that I think also have ageless designs uh, are the latest XCOM games, XCOM Enemy Unknown slash Enemy Within and XCOM 2. Um, because they are the kind of strategy game where even if you've beat it a hundred times, I feel like there's still so much fun to be had just going through um campaign of those again. And there is an online mode as well, but I think that's more fun if you play with someone you know rather than just random strangers and it is kind of limited, but it can be a fun little, uh, almost like a board game feel to it if you play with someone, you know? Uh, and it's just mm, super fun well said. Uh, turn-based game. Like. I thought I might have played against Lily once, but I might be mixing it up with someone else. Like the multiplayer in XCOM. Maybe it was someone else, unless uh, Lily remembers. No, I, I, I tried it out. Yeah. 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 But I absolutely um, agree. Yeah. I don't know, XCOM was not my personal type of strategy game, so I, I fell off it a little quick, but we definitely tried. Right, yeah. I mean, and, that's totally um, fair. Not yeah. every game is for everyone, but it's it's if you're into that kind of strategy, I feel like it really just perfectly nails that kind of gameplay. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not like into turn-based strategy in the slightest, and I still enjoyed it. And the only reason I fell off is because I just... I don't know. I guess I need a little more engagement. I kind of fall behind on turn-based strategies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're you're a real-time gal. You play tons yeah. of, uh, you know, all those. Oh my god, I don't know. I've, so Total many times war. I've messaged you on Steam. You're playing some, yeah, some real-time or you know, pick your series version. Of yeah. Some, yeah, some RTS. Um, absolutely. Yeah, RTSs are really engaging. Yeah, Casper. I remember what the last game was. <laughs> Final Fantasy X is, in my opinion, the greatest Final Fantasy game, and I absolutely love it. Again, mostly because of the story, but I think even though it came back all the way in like the PS2 days, I can't remember a date for this one, all the way back in the PS2 days, <laughs> it still looks fantastic. Even if you don't uh, play the HD remaster, but the HD remaster is even better. And you can, even though it's called an HD remaster, you can crank it up to 5K if you got a 5K iMac, and it looks so lovely. I, I absolutely um, adore Final Fantasy then. 2001 for Japan and North America, 2002 for Australia and Europe for some reason. It's so incredible considering how lo- good it looks. Really 
Uh, Ted, do you have like a all time sort of ageless game for yourself? I was trying to think about something and I, I, I really don't. Um, I, yeah, I would have said world of Warcraft a couple months ago, but I've kind of lost interest in it. Um, mainly because I, I don't know, something changed with me, but, um, you know, there's there's been a handful of games over the years that I played a number of times or for a long period of times, but there's nothing I would currently say, oh, geez, I'd really like to go back to it and try it again. Um, you know, so I, I would say not really. There's been, you know, I, I played, you know, number, like I said, I played a number of games um, several times. You know, the Diablo 2 was one of my favorites for a long time. Uh, that's going back a ways. Uh, Bioshock Infinite was excellent, and I played mm-hmm. that one through at least three times just for just because I enjoyed the way way it progressed. And you know, World of Warcraft same way. I mean, you know, I pl- I think I played every type of character, almost every race, <laughs> at one time nice. or another, and um, you know, leveled them up. I used to. Have, I think before I quit, I had like seven different. Uh, characters that i was running on an active basis and uh yeah so different factions yeah, well, well you know even if you weren't even if you've quit world of warcraft it's still from the sound of it seems to be your longest played game i think you said about 15 yeah, years definitely so yeah definitely you could probably you could say you could kind of pick it even if you're not currently like playing right um, yeah because you did end up playing it for so long and um you know it's still a big mmo with lots of content and lots of people playing yeah. it and everything um and and maybe you seem to want to maybe possibly nominate Bioshock Infinite, or you could even say the Bioshock series as a whole. I don't know if you go that yeah. far, but um... Bioshock, no, Bioshock was real good. I played that Bioshock, the basic Bioshock uh, twice, and then I played Infinite like three or four times. I never did the um, what was it two, the one where you come, uh, you play as one of the bad guys, the the um, big daddies, big yeah. daddy, yeah. But oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, okay. But, uh, I'd, uh, there is a, a it is on Mac the Bioshock Two remaster from Feral along with the previously unreleased on Mac Minerva's Den DLC. Um, I would highly recommend it. I think it's it's Bioshock One's a better game. I'd say Bioshock One and Three are, or Three being Infinite. It's not actually called Bioshock Three. I'm calling it Bioshock Three. We may get a Bioshock Three in the future or something. Who knows? Um, it's I think they're both better games than Two, but. I think two in a lot of ways had a better story than either of them. It doesn't make it better. It was a more personable slash emotional story, basically, and, and showed a very interesting side of Rapture that the other games didn't, um, basically from the perspective of the big daddies and the little sisters. That's what the game focuses on. So it gives you kind of the flip perspective compared to Bioshock 1 or even minor spoilers, parts of uh, Bioshock Infinite, or the DLC at least. Ha ha ha. Um, so yeah, all, I think they're all fantastic games played alone or together, uh, series as a whole. Yeah. If I had to pick like, anyway, at some point we should probably do like, I don't know, some top five or 10 all time list or something for each of us. But, um, yeah, huge Bioshock fan. And uh podcast is running a little long, so we'll probably stop there, but we covered some fun stuff. Got to hear the opinions of Ted and Lily on our game artistry, um, our personal backlog slash or lack thereof um, strategies um, and how that's working out for us. And uh, some other cool hardware, software tidbits and uh, some ageless games. So I think it was a fun show. 
really happy all of us could make it. Sam was busy, so he wasn't here. Um, thanks. Uh, thankfully, Lily was able to make some time. Always happy to have you on the show and hear your thoughts and opinions. Always very fun. Yeah, always nice to be here. Wish I could come more often, but life is rough. Tough times. Um, yeah. But hopefully everyone stays healthy, stays well, and stays, uh, I was going to say, stays gaming. Uh, but I think, you know, we'll all, we'll all keep gaming uh, without too much trouble, in theory, anyway. You know, it'll be the end of the world, and we're like, one more game! Uh, <laughs> dragging away from the keyboard. Uh, yeah, um, maybe not, but... <laughs> no, that'll be me. That's, that's, yeah. how, that's how they're going to have to get me. <laughs> uh yeah. So good stuff, lady and gents. Uh, appreciate it as always. So we'll sign off here. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. A big thank you to Kevin McLeod for the intro and outro music. Be sure to check out his library on the web. You can find more episodes of our show on our website, macgamecast.com, or in all major podcast directories. If you enjoy the show, please consider commenting, following, or sharing. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time. A big thank you to Kevin McLeod for the intro and outro music. Be sure to check out his library on the web. You can find more episodes of our show on our website, macgamecast.com, or in all major podcast directories. If you enjoy the show, please consider commenting, following, or sharing. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time.